everyone. This is Sam. And this is Kareen, and we are two Oncdocs. Today's episode will be focusing on primary brain tumors within neuro-oncology, and we will primarily be discussing the classification of gliomas and their management. Gliomas originate from glial cells in the brain and are a class of tumors which include oligodendrogliomas, ependymomas, astrocytomas, among others, with the most high-grade tumor being known as glioblastoma multiform, which I'll refer to as GBM for the rest of the episode. And in a future separate episode, we will cover CNS lymphoma as well as brain metastases. We're breaking this up into separate categories because primary CNS tumors are very different than CNS lymphoma and also brain meds. We treat them differently and they're just a very different disease process. And so to get us started off, how do people with brain primary brain tumors generally present? So the symptoms can be focal, such as hemiparesis or issues with gait, vision, or speech, as well as seizures, or there can be generalized symptoms such as progressive headaches, nausea, vomiting, mental status changes, or memory issues. And so what do we do if someone comes to us with these concerning signs and symptoms? What is our next step of um, workup for the diagnosis? So the exam of choice is a brain MRI with and without contrast, although in some situations, a head CT may be the quickest first step. And if a mass is seen, surgical resection is preferred when feasible to both provide a diagnosis and alleviate symptoms. The exception for this being CNS lymphomas, where often we just want to do a biopsy only. And important to know that the majority of brain tumors that are primary do not metastasize. And so you don't necessarily need to do full body imaging However, some tumors require lumbar puncture for staging, including CNS lymphomas, medulloblastomas, CNS germ cell tumors, as well as ependymomas. So what is our initial symptomatic management? These patients come in with symptoms, we're working them up, and how do we treat their symptoms quickly? Steroids such as dexamethasone or decadron may be given initially to alleviate symptoms. Again, an asterisk for an exception is CNS lymphoma because if you give steroids, this may obscure the diagnosis. And always remember your key issues with high-dose steroids, which include PCP prophylaxis if it will be a prolonged course, calcium and vitamin D for bone health, hyperglycemia precautions, as well as peptic ulcer disease prophylaxis. If a patient does not have a history of seizures, you don't necessarily need to give anti-epileptic prophylaxis. And if it is needed, Keppra is often the preferred agent. Another important note is that anticoagulation is not contraindicated unless there is a frankly hemorrhagic tumor. And then finally, if someone has obstructive hydrocephalus where the flow of cerebral spinal fluid is blocked, they may require a procedure to help relieve the pressure in the form of an EVD or external ventricular drain. That is all great, important things to remember with the initial treatment of symptoms. And moving on, so for gliomas, how do we classify them? So for gliomas, we don't have staging like in other tumor types. Rather, gliomas are graded based on how aggressive they appear histologically or or under the microscope and how likely they are to reproduce. So in a simplified sense, grade one tumors are well circumscribed. Grade two to four are infiltrative with grade two being low grade and grade three to four being high grade. That's important to remember, and it's going to be something we talk about throughout this whole episode. And so are there other important markers that we need to know about for gliomas? Yes. So in recent years, the classification has also been shifting to a system based on the genetic makeup of the tumor, including IDH1 mutation status and the status of 1P19Q codilation. And there are also other molecular features 
being added to better classify these tumors and understand how they'll behave and respond to various treatments. So really, really important to know is that having IDH1 and 1P19Q codeletion are favorable markers. And these are very often seen in oligodendrogliomas. And then for GBMs, the most aggressive type of brain tumor that we have, those are often IDH wild type, meaning there is no IDH1 mutation. Yep. Further going with them being more aggressive. And so tell me more about our grade one tumors. So as I mentioned, grade ones are well circumscribed. So surgery alone can often be curative. Generally, they will not need adjuvant therapy. And these include pilocytic astrocytomas, which are often seen in children, pleomorphic xanthoastrocytomas, which we will often check the BRAF B600E and MEX status, and subependymal giant cell astrocytomas, known as SEGA, for which we'll also consider testing for tuberous sclerosis. And there, in some cases, may be consideration for an adjuvant mTOR inhibitor like Everolimus. Great. And so moving forward again, um, tell me more about the grade two, three gliomas. So there are three commonly tested tumors to remember within the grade two and three gliomas, and all will require gross total resection upfront. So for oligodendrogliomas, those have that fried egg histology, which you may remember from your med school years. And most commonly, they have the ID. H1 mutation with that 1P19Q deletion, which I mentioned is favorable. So these patients can have long-term survivals. So we want to be wary of the long-term side effects of whatever therapy we're going to be giving. And it also usually happens in younger patients like age 20 to 40. And so for grade two oligodendrogliomas, typically surgery alone is okay. And then for grade three, those need adjuvant chemoradiation in the form of PCV, and so the PCV chemotherapy stands for procarbazine, CCNU, and vincristine, along with concurrent radiation. The second category in our grade two, three gliomas are astrocytomas. Those have a worse prognosis than oligodendrogliomas. And so grade two will resect, and you may consider chemoradiation after with either that same PCV regimen or temozolomide, which I'll talk about in a minute, along with radiation. And the grade threes for astrocytoma will also be treated just like GBM with chemoradiation in the form of temozolomide with radiation. And then the final grade two, three tumor to remember is ependymomas. As I mentioned earlier, these need a lumbar puncture for staging, and you're going to do resection followed by radiation if it's grade three or if there's residual tumor. Generally, no systemic therapy is needed. That was a great overview for our intermediate grades. And so even though grades one through three are extremely important to know about, I feel like they are not tested as much um, and we don't see them because unfortunately our grade four glioma or GBM is the not only the most aggressive um, primary CNS tumor, but also the most common. So let's spend a lot of our time talking about that. So GBMs most often occur in men. The median age is age 50 to 60. And as Sam mentioned, unfortunately, these have a very poor prognosis. Histologically, they're characterized by endothelial proliferation and necrosis. And the initial treatment is to resect as much of the tumor as safely possible. And it's extremely important to take into account performance status when deciding the best treatment approach. And so this is often based on the Karnofsky Performance Scale or KPS, which you'll see listed in the NCCM guidelines for the treatment algorithm. 
And because there are no curative treatments, clinical trials are strongly encouraged. As of right now, the standard treatment is focal radiation given 60 gray in 1.8 to 2 gray sessions over 30 days, or the 30 days are Monday to Friday over six weeks with concurrent temozolomide, also known as temodar, which is dosed at 75 milligrams per meter squared over six weeks. And then after you complete those six weeks of the chemo temodar with the radiation, you're going to continue with adjuvant temozolomide for five days every 28 days for six cycles at a higher dose of 150 to 200 milligrams per meter squared. And this is based on a trial EORTC22981, where the addition of temozolomide improved the PFS from 5 to 6.9 months and improved the OS from 12.1 to 14.6 months. And finally, it's important to remember that up to 20 to 40% of patients can initially have pseudoprogression on scan. So it doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to change the treatment if there is pseudoprogression initially. Yeah. And it also means that you're going to be best friends with your radiologist to try to help tease out between pseudoprogression and progression while you're getting these interim scans um, and being slightly patient. And so I know you talked about um, performance status with guiding treatment, but what about age? Do we have different management for elderly patients? So the study that I just mentioned for which temozolomide was approved excluded patients over the age of 70. And so there have been additional trials looking at hypofractionated radiation, which is 25 to 40 grays, as opposed to that 60 gray dose over two to four weeks instead of over six weeks. And really important is that we need to individualize treatment options for elderly patients. So some may qualify for the standard chemo radiation. Some may benefit from this hypofractionated radiation, and some may benefit just from best supportive care alone. Agreed. It's important to take all these into consideration. And so what about the management or MGMT status uh, in GVMs? So this is another really important point. So those with methylated MGMT, which is the methylguanine methyltransferase enzyme, are more sensitive to alkylating agents like TMZ. And so those have an improved overall survival um, if they're treated with TMZ. And so it's a bit confusing to understand, but bringing us back again to our basic science med school years, MGMT repairs DNA damage, but TMZ works by inducing DNA damage. So basically, you don't want an active MGMT. So MGMT is in essence silence when it is methylated. So just remember that methylated silent MGMT is good because it, there's more room for TMZ to work. Exactly. We do not want any repairs in those tumor DNAs. Um, we want to maximize tumor DNA damage so that they can die. Um, and so are there any other treatments approved for GBM? So there are tumor treating fields, also known as TTF or alternating electric field therapy. And the brand name is Optune. And basically patients wear a device, which is like a cap, which attaches to the scalp and it emits low intensity electric fields with the goal of disrupting cancer cell growth. And patients should wear these for over 18 hours per day for best results. And there is some criticism with this. It's not widely adopted, but it may be offered case by case. Agreed. And so what do we do if there's recurrence of GBM? So they've gone through all the primary treatments. And unfortunately, during surveillance, there's something new that pops up. So unfortunately, again, these have a very poor prognosis. So we encourage clinical trials. And sometimes supportive care alone is the best approach. Sometimes additional surgery can be an option, and otherwise, there are systemic therapy options, such as another course of TMZ, a course of Bevacizumab, also known as Avastin, 
for all of your vignettes with Avastin, remember side effects, including delayed wound healing, hypertension, bleeding, stroke. Um, and then other chemos may include carboplatin or etoposide for recurrent GBM. We can also check BRAF. If it's positive, we can give dabrafenib and trimetinib and NTRAC. And if we have NTRAC mutations, we can give larotrectinib or intrectinib. And there's lots being studied in this area, and hopefully we'll come up with new treatments to improve outcomes for these patients. Yeah, we definitely need a lot more clinical trials and hopefully to move forward with better treatments for GBM. And so finally, can you quickly go over the management for meningiomas? So meningiomas tend to be more indolent, and so asymptomatic meningiomas can just be followed radiographically. If they're symptomatic, surgery may be offered, and for those that are in difficult locations or are recurrent, there may be a role for radiation. There's generally no role for systemic therapies at this time outside of a clinical trial. Thanks so much. I think this was a great overview for all primary CNS tumors. And so what are our key takeaways for this episode? So for low-grade gliomas, those grade one and two, usually just surgery alone is preferred. For the grade three gliomas, remember for the oligodendrogliomas, they have the IDH1 mutation and the 1P19Q codeletion most often. And if they have these, this is favorable and they're going to respond well to chemotherapy. Most often chemotherapy use is the PCV with radiation. For grade three astrocytomas, those are often treated like GBM with temodar and radiation. For GBMs, remember the standard treatment is focal radiation given over six weeks with concurrent temozolomide, followed by adjuvant temozolomide for six months. Remember that MGMT methylation is good and allows for better response to temozolomide. Consider tumor treating fields and really encourage clinical trials. So the bottom line is for markers to remember in gliomas is that having the mutation or methylation is favorable. So if you have IDH1 mutation, 1P19Q codeletion or MGMT methylation, those are all favorable factors. Definitely. So as always, guys, thank you so much for listening. Good luck with studying for your boards. Please feel free to reach out to us with corrections, comments, or if there's any topics that you guys would like to hear on future episodes, our Instagram and our Twitter are 2 docs. See you guys next week.